Good morning. Welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. I hope all of our listeners are continuing to stay safe and sane um, and that the end of the year and hopefully for some people, the beginning of camp is bringing some um, positive developments in their lives. Um, this has been obviously a very long stretch, this ongoing pandemic. What I've found is one of the most challenging things about um, sort of not knowing when things are allowed to open or what will be, you know, as we waited to hear about campus, we to hear about schools, is that a big part of life that makes life exciting is the ability to look forward to something new. That's, I think, for like sort of the human psychology, having something that we look forward to, that we count down to, um, is really just part of what makes human beings feel happy and have, even like as a kid, I remember, you know, sometimes I would fall asleep at night with the idea of like, I'm looking forward to this vacation or this big event. And when you're in the middle of a lockdown and you're not sure what's allowed to happen or not happen, um, it's kind of miss all that. Um, additionally, something that we've seen in the middle of the pandemic is a lot of businesses shuttering, um, either first because of economic challenges and or um, a lot of stores were, you know, looted and destroyed in uh, protests and riots over the last year. So there's been like a, just a lot of news um, in recent days of businesses shuttering, which is why in the middle of a pandemic, when one of your favorite kosher chefs opens up a restaurant, and you have something new and exciting to look forward to, you're like, yay, go Chef Josh Masson. So I have with us today um, Josh Masson of Noble Wine and Grill fame. Um, should talk to us about his new restaurant. It's called Naruto Bowl. Is that what it's called, Josh? Yeah, it's a uh, it's sort of an interesting mashup of, uh, well, because the food is a, is a mix of Asian and Latin American food. I decided to take a... A Japanese word um, and Latinize it by adding two R's and an accent over the U. So if you really wanted to be uh, particular in your pronunciation, it would be Naruto bowl. Naruto bowl. So that, am I sounding Japanese or um, Spanish when I say that? Uh, I, I'm not Japanese uh, uh, or Asian or Latin American or Caribbean. So, you know, I, I would just like to say linguistically, from a, we've uh, we've you know made the name as idiosyncratic as the concept is. So, what um, does Naruto mean? So, Naruto has uh, a few meanings uh, in Japanese, as as far as my research has led me. Um, literally, or the, the the strict you know dictionary definition would be a whirlpool. Um, and colloquially, it is also used. Uh, to refer to a uh, an earthenware cooking vessel, mm -hmm. um, like a crock pot, uh, simmering pot, which is pretty appropriate. Um, and also uh, with a different spelling, obviously it, uh, there's a very much beloved anime character um, that uh, is another co colloquial meaning, which is like a balagan, just like a whirling dervish of, you know, kind of happy, fun chaos. All right. Sounds like fun. So when, now I remember you were telling me about something. You didn't want to say too much, but it was something like street food. You told me a while ago. So what is, this is like a trend now happening in like the culinary world, like a, a trend towards, I mean, I know fusion's been happening for a while. So like, is there a trend towards street food? And then like why these two combinations together? 
So, you know, I think uh, I think the term street food is perhaps bandied about a bit much. Um, I, I think when when we used the word street food, I was sort of saying that was something I wanted to. Uh, that was a term I didn't want necessarily applied to Naruto because um, it's not necessarily things you would eat on the street uh, mm-hmm. or or necessarily in an open air market. Uh, Naruto, uh, Naruto ramen noodle bowls etc have have a lot of different iterations from fine you know michelin starred sit down places and uh in back alleys or subway stations somewhere in japan mm-hmm. to uh you know to open air markets of you know various noodle dishes and things like that um so it, it, i i think calling it street food is almost an anglicization of the experience like and you know eating in a in an open air market seems like eating on the street to us but you know that's a restaurant's to those people mm-hmm. so you know you would eat a hot dog standing up while you're walking you'd eat a slice of pizza while you're standing up walking um you know th- 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 those things perhaps are more aptly referred to as street food in our case it's just um you know street food is one of the inspirations for the menu uh, but also home style uh foods um uh traditional foods, things like that. It's, it's all really uh, in there. And what about the um, like, and you said something that confused me because I mean, I get the Latin and the um, Japanese, but then you mentioned Caribbean. So was there some Caribbean mixed in there as well? Uh, sure. Um, and, and granted, uh, you know, we're still rolling out the concept. I think uh, we're coming towards the end of our soft opening phase um but we're still rolling out so there'll be menu items and i think caribbean food will be featured a bit more uh you know distinctly um but bearing in mind that um you know i think the word authentic is something that uh you know the the youtube chefs and and bloggers use to to criticize uh, creative people um (laughs) to find to find something to talk about. Uh, I know Naruto is not authentic uh, in, any, in, in any specific respect. It pays homage to originals and authenticity. Uh, and the food has a lot of integrity, but um, it's my style of cooking. And it's made in Teaneck, New Jersey. It's not made in these far-flung places. And um, I have no, uh, there's no shame in that game. So well, I mean, I think for um, the kosher market, um, you know, we're not going to be able to try to remember where I was. I don't know. I was in maybe some place like New Orleans and I was like hoping to get, um, you know, I mean, maybe they had like something like a little bit spicier occasion, but like mostly the deli there was like deli and like sushi. <laughs> and I was like, we have a limit even when we go to exotic locations to be able to try the authentic food there because it doesn't always come um, in a kosher version. So how does a nice uh, Jewish kosher boy, I mean, you weren't trained in these styles when you went to, when, when you were trained um, as a chef. So I, I imagine, or were you like, what, what kind of range of, of cooking did you learn in your training? Uh, so, you know, the learning never stops. So mm-hmm. in, in Johnson and Wales University many moons ago, um, I, I was trained by an old guard of chefs, a lot of whom came up through the apprentice system, or perhaps they had served in the military, uh, in food service. And then, you know, after they got out, it was sort of a, a natural progression, um, uh, for, you know, ex-military and ex-cons to like go into food. 
because if you had trouble <laughs> readjusting, if you had trouble readjusting to normal society, you could be totally legitimate and antisocial and just, you know, hang out in a kitchen for 12 to 14 hours a day. Perfect. Um, it's a, you know, the profession has, um, it's gone from a trade to a profession to a certain extent uh, over the last 10, 15 years. Um, but we learned classical French. We learned uh, some regional American. The, the regional foods, domestic and, and foreign, were, were taught in modules in very kind of perfunctory ways. And we were still applying um, kind of the French classical cooking methods um, you know, with the addition of maybe grilling and smoking being the uh, American influences, but, um, you know, and some of the ingredients, but you still didn't see kombu, you didn't see fish sauce, you didn't see ferments, you didn't see um, the profligate use of spices. Uh, if we had curry, it came out of a jar, even in culinary school. Uh, and not that I'm there, are some very fine jarred curries. And in fact, you know, if you go to Thailand and you get a bowl of Thai curry on the street, Chances are that Stan did not make their own curry. Mm -hmm. um, and it's still authentic. So, um, but the learning never stops. So over, you know, over the last 15 years, and I'm sure I've said this before, I've been a uh, voracious consumer of, of, you know, pretty much the entire ether from, from print to uh, internet to um, speaking to other chefs and other cooks and talking to people's moms and grandmoms and, you know, dad's avid, you know, male cooks and uh, really uh, trying to uh, get as much as that of that as I can. And, you know, not to kind of virtue signal, but I, I didn't grow up keeping kosher. Um, and I did grow up in Fort Lee, New Jersey, which uh, really was um, an extremely culturally diverse place with a pretty large uh, Japanese and Korean population. So you grew up um, eating these foods? Yeah, I mean, much more home-style stuff, but, you know, your bulgogi, your kimchi, your your japchae, like uh, a lot of the Korean foods, um, you know, sushi, uh, birthday parties at sushi places. I mean, it, um, you know, I was eating grilled eel hand rolls when I was like nine, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, my nine-year-old does that too. Just joking. So, okay, so what, so that's like an example I was going to ask you next. What kind of, um, how do you, uh, I guess, deal with the the tray factor? I mean, some of these authentic recipes have things that we can't use. So can you give us some examples of um, what you're featuring and what might have a non-kosher ingredient and how you uh, deal with that at Naruto Bowl? Sure. Um, you know, we, we can't, for example, use fish sauce I, I can get a pretty high quality fish sauce uh i just can't you know being as most of our menus served with meat um i can't avail myself of it very often in fact we do sell kimchi uh um as a side that you can order uh which we make Diana actually made a huge batch of it last night it'll be ready in a few days um and you know, there's kombu in it, and kombu is a seaweed that has uh, naturally occurring, um, this is going to make everyone freaked out, naturally occurring MSG in it. it in fact, it's uh, it's originally, you know, for the last 600 years where Asians have been uh, getting their MSG from before it was, you know, harvested and synthesized and all that um, by this one company that makes it pretty much for the whole world. Mm -hmm. So, um, and even people that are allergic to MSG are eating 
the exact same molecule in a myriad of different ways in a myriad of different foods. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't actually take powdered MSG and add it to the food. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the combo in there is something, uh, you know, it's in just about every liquid and ferment. Um, you know, we can't use fish sauce, so we'll use various kinds of dried mushrooms. Um, for your umami. For the umami uh, or, you know, the fermented liquid from cabbage and, and radishes and things like that um, for the funk uh there you know is it going to be exactly like putting half a bottle of fish sauce in your kimchi or dried shrimp or whatever the case is no is it going to be delicious yes is it better or worse i think that's a value judgment that's like again you know is if you're going to make the argument that it's not authentic then you're sort of missing the forest for the trees mm-hmm what um what flavors would you say so just to clarify do the dishes is any dish that we're eating there like the Latin and Japanese in one dish, or is that you have Latin dishes and then also Asian dishes? Uh, it, it really, it's really more seamless like that. Like in the case of the tostones, like the tostones are like clearly a Caribbean thing. Uh, you know, only, uh, you know, they do eat fried plantains in South America, but like, you know, it's it's famously a Korean thing. Um, wait, Kore- wait Korean or Carib- Caribbean? I'm, I'm sorry, Caribbean. Pardon me. Thank you so much. Um, I'm so busy mashing up cultures, I can't remember which part of the world I'm. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, I'm trying to think of another example that um, uh, you know the 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 you know, some of the sauces uh, might have, like the Sam sauce is normally made with uh, um, gochujang or donjang, gochugaru, like Korean ingredients. Can you explain um, to us what who don't understand what that means, like what the equivalent of that would be in our sure. world? So donjang is, uh, is a um, Japanese miso. I'm sorry, Korean miso. Gochujang is a fermented Korean chili paste. Um, so what I did, I I do love Korean chilies, um, but for the interest of giving it, you know, a unique flavor and a sense of place, we actually, um, threw in some, uh, New Mexico chilies, uh, which are not spicy at all. Um, and, uh, some ancho chilies, which have a beautiful raisiny, sweet, dark, like brooding complexity to them that, uh, that gives the sauce a depth of flavor and a dimension but far from korean you know korean chilies are are uh fruity and sort of a fresh fruit sense uh a little brighter uh obviously much hotter um we we've chosen to make heat a bit more optional on our menu just because you know as far as our clientele goes some are very accustomed to heat and enjoy it uh some are completely averse to it so we've we've found clever ways of of making it uh, you know, kind of user customizable. The kosher market obviously has evolved in the last, um, I would say what, like decade in a, in a big way, because there was a certain time, like I mentioned before, when I went to an out of town place and it was just like deadly on the menu. Um, people weren't even, were people scared of eating things that, you know, they couldn't pronounce or didn't know where they came from? Is there, there must be this new trend now. Maybe it's with the world of Instagram or, you know, 
maybe the internet has just opened up, made the world smaller. Uh, would you agree that the kosher market and consumer has become more daring to try things that um, they didn't grow up with in Bubby's Kitchen? Um, for better or for worse, yes and no. Uh, uh, that, that's a long, complicated, almost political conversation. Um, the whole, the, the, you know, the sociology, the, the food anthropology, uh, you know, of, of, of the kosher consumer of present. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I was actually talking the other day with one of the pioneers of kosher sushi, uh, Daniel Berlin of Sushi Mitsuyan, great guy, sit next to him in shul sometimes when I wake up early enough to go, um, uh, super guy. And I said, you know, I, I literally have to make a glossary and a frequently asked questions section on my website if I ever get a, stop, a chance to stop cooking. And, uh, you know, I, I said, I thought of you, you know, 20 years ago, like Jews were eating gefilte fish, which is a fish that's cooked like four times. So how did you get people to eat raw fish and nori and, and unagi sauce and, and, you know, all these wasabi, I mean, things to us that are kind of like household names. You buy it in a bottle at the supermarket and put it on your pizza now if you want. Uh, that's, uh, just kidding. That's, um, you know, it's an amazing thing um, that guys like him are largely responsible for. Or, you know, stuff that, um, you know, when Mike Gershkovich, my, uh, my mentor, my, you know, my alma mater, he, uh, when he opened Mike's Bistro, as much as it as it was a meat and potatoes place, you know, he was using produce and 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 techniques and and terminology um, that was accurate, but very much foreign to people. And he was literally in the dining room every night, ordering for people. Um, and you know, um, and that you know that's tremendous way to customize people's experience. And you can do that in a mm -hmm. ninety in a ninety seat restaurant with two seatings. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but, uh, in my case, there's much less opportunity for interface because the, you know, the, we're, we're doing volume over, over price point. So, uh, um, yeah, it, there's a bit of, you know, for example, people have gotten a bowl and, you know, the solids are in one container and the liquid is in another container and people literally called up and asked, how do I eat this? What should I do? And I'm like, well, if you pour soup into the bowl and eat it and okay so like i know i know i i i'm not always I, I can be a very sarcastic guy and you know maybe i could be nicer thank god i don't answer those phone calls but it, it's um it's interesting to me uh how steep the learning curve is is that how um, they would get it in japan they would they would serve it in different bowls and they just know how to, that's how they do it from well if you got it to go Mm -hmm. probably right now we're doing all carry out right that is not that. that's that's not how it would be served for dining and then and i sort of touched on this before but is there a reason in terms of i i understand aruto means sort of like this whirlwind fusion balagon it, it sounds like a good description why these two locations or two to three locations are there other locations that you might um, draw from in the future like how you know why the pairing of the latin and the the asian at this point well, I think I, I like genre defying concepts because I kind of just like to cook whatever I, I want to eat. Um, so first of all, Asia and Latin America are huge places with 
um, especially Asia, the diversity of ingredients is mind boggling. Um, I've spent the last two years reading uh, South Asian um, cookbooks uh, and food anthropology books and food ways, you know, academic texts and um, barely scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's really, you know, everyone, well, when I was in Thailand, the bowl was like this and I'm like, well, you know, thank you for, you know, flagging eating trafe. Not that we judge you, but like, uh, also there's like 700 different kinds of bowls in Thailand and 700 different kinds of curry. So, so please, you know, the one place you went to across the street from your hotel with safe drinking water, don't, you know, please don't lecture me. So, um, thank you very much. If maybe this isn't the restaurant for you, go, you know, maybe book a ticket to Thailand when, when COVID's over. Yeah. And go, and go get anemic dysentery. So we, uh, uh, maybe that'll make your experience authentic. So, um, but Asia, uh, Asia and Latin America have enough, enough diversity of, of food and culture really to, to go on forever. For example, our dumplings, um, and you know, We'll talk about some of the cognitive dissonance. Dumplings, our dumplings are a great example. They're actually a mixture of a Georgian soup dumpling, which I first enjoyed uh, at one of my favorite kosher restaurants, Marani Georgian Kosher in Rigo Park in Queens. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna, the owner, is a sweetheart and also very a lot of personal touch with the customers there. Uh, and the soup dumplings there are um, addictive. I mean, you, they, they give you like eight of them and, and you don't want to share. Um, and they have a much thicker skin and they have liquid on the inside and, you know, hot soup on the inside. And that's fine. So our dumplings are a mixture of a Chinese pot sticker and a Russian dumpling, you know, a, so it's Western Asia and Eastern Asia. Mm-hmm. And then the dipping sauce is a dim sum dipping sauce. You know, a, a, um, a Chinese soup dumpling dipping sauce that's mostly vinegar. So they get the dumpling and some people are like, skin is too thick. And, and we're not sure what's wrong with your dipping sauce because they're used to a dipping sauce that's made with dark corn syrup and soy sauce. Uh, and probably more sugar and maybe a little honey. Um and ours is made with uh, a proprietary blend of vinegars to mimic Chinese black vinegar and a little soy sauce and a tiny bit of sweetness, which I added just because I knew people would complain. And, um, and it's actually, it's a beautiful balance, you know, for the richness of the chicken inside, as well as, you know, the, the, the wrapper is a bit of a foil. So sort of washes the whole thing down very nicely, but there, you know, listen, there's always going to be a few Karens out there, but you know, 95% of the people are like, OMG, these dumplings are life. And, but there are 5% that are like, I would prefer like six little dumplings with thinner wrappers. And I'm like, bro, there's like three places in Teaneck that sell those and they'll be happy for your business. Try I hear that. Like- well, no, I think, I think um, when you make a uh, creative decision, um, you have to stand by, uh, you know, what you decide and why you want to go in that direction. We have uh, just a few minutes left. Can you take us through a few other highlights of the menu that when someone goes to Naruto Bowl, they should uh, be sure to check out first? Sure. We're, we're hand-making all our tortillas. Um, I mean, we do use a manual press. We don't do it like the abuelas with their hands back and forth. We're, we do that sometimes just because, you know, 
we want to like learn how to do it so we could be awesome. Uh, but we're maybe we're using a manual press. Um, but they're they're made uh, you know one at a time with the press on the plancha. Um, we are you know the food values are very similar to Nobo, um, but uh, you know different proteins um, and less exotic vegetables, for example. So the price point is different. Mm-hmm. Lower, you know, quite a bit lower. Um, uh, tortillas are made from scratch. Just about everything's made from scratch. Every sauce is made from scratch. Um, uh, our broth is a mixture of two Japanese styles of broth, uh, a shio, which is basically a salted light chicken broth, and a tonkatsu broth, which is a very long simmered pork bone broth. So ours is a mixture of chicken, veal, and duck. Um, and uh, it's you know got that creamy mouthfeel to it. It has a nice, a really nice richness to it. Um, uh, oh, the crispy, uh, uh, the crispy AF chicken sandwich. And AF, of course, stands for always fried. And um, what my my vision was, my vision was, um, my vision was that I wanted the experience of a General Chow's chicken in one bite. So when you eat, you eat your General Chow's chicken with your fried rice, <clears throat> um, you know, it, it's it's heaven. And what I wanted to do was get that in, in one bite. So what we've done is we've crusted the chicken with puffed rice. Mm. Uh, and, and the results were pretty fantastic. And then almost poking fun at, uh, at um, you know, internet ninja chefs, we, um, we it's a mixture of General Chow's chicken, Korean uh, fried chicken, and Nashville hot chicken. So we call it General Chow's Korean Nashville hot chicken. Um, and uh, when people ask for a description of it, uh, but it's crispy AF chicken for short. And that's been um, probably far and away one of the biggest hits. And something we made for the kids' menu just chicken fingers, but they happen to be gluten free, just so you know. Um, People are going nuts for it. It's a potato starch coating. It's really no big deal. And adults are, are ordering it, which is kind of rough for my check average, but whatever. Um, so this, this restaurant to me sounds kind of like a playground for you. Like you just kind of get a chance to play with flavors and different ideas that come to your mind. And you've given yourself some space to kind of travel around the world and see where it takes you. Would that be a good description of kind of where you're yeah, I'm a kosher eater too. The only way I get to travel and I work all the time. So the only way I get to travel around the world is by, you know, with the people that I work who are often uh, not Native Americans, uh, Native born Americans, I should say. Uh, and, you know, through through research and through buying things and cooking and trying and, and refining. So um, it's definitely less cerebral than Nobo was. You know, Nobo was seasonally driven and dish just had a story and, and, and a concept and, and, you know, there was all these elements of playfulness and surprise and, um, you know, there might be an element of surprise with Naruto, but that's just because people, you know, can't decipher the jargon on my menu, which I realize is, is a problem that I have in life. I'm very jargony, but we're working on it. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it's definitely, uh, lighter in that respect. It just happens to be, I mean, Nobo is well-staffed with people that I had for many years. This this is well-staffed, but 
I'm, I'm cooking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, tell our listeners now as we uh, kind of wrap things up, um, where do they find you? How do they order? How do they find the menu? Uh, we're supposed to get this device from Google soon and, and fill out some paperwork and then we're going to show up more easily on Google. But it's www.naruto, N-A-R-R-U-T-O, bowl, B-O-W-L, one word, narutobowl.com. Uh, there's a really great online ordering system through Curb and Go. Uh, we recommend you use that. <clears throat> Obviously, we're available for questions, but I got one guy on the phone and, you know, it, get, it gets uh, wacky. So Curb and Go is a really seamless way to order. Um, check us out on Instagram. My Facebook page just went live yesterday. Uh, Naruto Bowl. Uh, Instagram is at Naruto Bowl. Um, remember two R's, two R's, or you're going to end up seeing a lot of cartoon characters. And I, as a plug <clears throat> that I would like to give, besides the fact that, you know, your, uh, kosher cooking skills are tried and true. It's a low pros p- price point. And in a time when you can't travel, your mouth can travel with, um, Josh's imagination and what he's brought you. So, um, Josh, we wish you, Thank um, you. on, um, on this endeavor. I know that, um, you know, there's always something new and, it's really exciting um, to, like I said, have something for, to look forward to um, and also um, feel like there are these cutting edge kosher chefs, you know, around in the market that um, can just always keep things fresh and, and give us something to look forward to. So um, it's really um, I consider it a service to the community. So um, thank you for your creativity, for your dedication and hard work. And it should be with Hatzlaha for many years. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I just want to warn people, I'm getting married on Monday, so we might be closed. So please don't come in from like far away and be disappointed. Mazel Give tov. us a call first. Yeah. It'll happen. Hashem sends you all the blessings at once. You just got to be a Kaylee for him. Very nice. All right. Well, Hatzlacha with everything. Thanks so much, Allison. Appreciate it. Nice talking as always. You too. And thank you for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.